episode, Body Swap. Original air date, 5th of December, 1989. Hello and welcome to Scuttercast 16. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. Andy. Hello. And Nick. Hello. We'll be reviewing the episode shortly after a quick synopsis from Nick. This episode starts with Rimmer and Crichton repairing Red Dwarf circuits after a scutter malfunctioned and rewired everything. Even though he's told not to touch anything, Lister tries to get some food from a snap machine which sets off the ship's auto-destruct. As the auto-destruct can only be overridden by a senior officer, Lister does a mind swap with his executive officer, Carol Brown. The plan fails and as everyone braces for destruction, the countdown reaches zero and Lister's snacks pop out. After the drama's over, Rimmer talks Lister into letting him borrow Lister's body for two weeks, convincing Lister he'll get his body back into shape. But when Rimmer gets, his, gets Lister's body, he can't resist and smokes and drinks and eats far too much so Lister forces Rimmer to give his body back after a week. Rimmer liked having a body so much, he enlists Crichton help, chloroforms Lister, mind swaps into his body and runs off in Starbuck, saying he'll be back in a month or so. When Lister realises what has happened, he gives chase in Blue Midget, piloted by Cat. After a chase, Rimmer crashes into a planet and is forced yet again to give Lister his body back. In the closing scene, Rimmer walks into the bunk room looking strange. He announces that he is Cat and Rimmer has stolen his body, just as Rimmer walks in in Cat's body with a big plate of food. Right, thank you very much, Nick. Just before we start the episode review, Anthony, you just wanted to point out something, didn't you? Yeah, um, I, obviously doing the research, and um, according to Wiki and uh, the DVD inlay card and uh, commentary and various other sources, um, they say that this is the first one to be filmed without a studio audience. Oh, right. Um, it was overdubbed in post-production to you know change the voices and then was actually shown to a small audience to get the laughter track. Oh, right, uh, okay. Which, to I thought that was odd. I thought they'd have done that with backwards as well. You know, with yeah, there being yeah. so many video effects, um, but backwards was actually the episode filmed just before this one. Um, yeah, it, this one is still accredited as being the first one to be filmed without an audience. Right, right. Um, okay. They also say on the inlay card that the cast members were there at the um, uh, at the viewing. So uh, if you keep your ear out, you might be able to hear some of the cast members laughing at their own gags. Right. Okay. First scene starts, and as Nick mentioned in the synopsis, you've got a scutter uh, look like he's going mad. He's just ripping wires out, and he's got, I believe, circuit board in his mouth. And you find out that basically he's done exactly that. He's gone mad, and he's rewiring half the ship. Pans into the room, and you've got Crichton and Rimmer there, being very, very serious. And they're rerouting all the circuits. The display on the screen is very, very 3D. I, it's kind of like, um, I guess, how the, the old film Hackers or Lawnmower Man, um, how they envisage the internet and, and computers. They've got like a graphical interface like that. Yeah, I, I actually thought the graphics were quite impressive. You know, for normally you'd just get numbers flashing on a screen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but it that's was, right. Um, you know, especially for the time it was filmed, it was quite a, quite impressive um, 3D graphics. Yeah, yeah, it did look good. Going on this scene, um, didn't you think Rimmer looked very, very serious? It, it, it was almost in, I know exactly what I'm doing mode. Yeah, definitely. There's not a hint of incompetence from him, is there? He's, very, he's got his head screwed on and very matter of fact and there's no sign of his incompetency and what have you no no not at all Lister walks in and he asks what's going on and they explain that the scutters rewired the ship but the auto destruct sequence um, the auto destruct is wired up to something they don't know what it is so he's told not to touch a slight well he's not told not to touch anything the second scene starts, you've got Lister and Cat walking down a corridor and Lister's explained to the cat what the scut has done, why he's wired everything to everything. The first thing he does, he goes up to a vending machine and orders himself um, some food and a drink, which then triggers off the auto-destruct sequence. Um, starts off with 15 minutes and after Lister keeps smacking it and kicking it, it goes down to nine minutes. Did you notice... <laughs> um, just. Did you notice on the back of there, there was just, I know I know we mentioned it quite a lot, but they just used like normal keyboards. And there was, there was just like a quirky keyboard down the back of the um, vending machine. Yeah, I didn't notice a sign. Was there a sign on the vending machine? Yeah, there was. It said snacks. Was it? Snacks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. notice that one for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was up on the screen, wasn't it? It said snacks in your, in your big computerized letters. 
Yeah, yeah, you knew what it was. You know, um, it was the production manager as well, Mike Agnew, that did the voice for the self-destruct. Oh, right, okay. Uh, the other thing I noticed with this as well is the earring, cat's wearing. Yeah, the the it, yeah. It's the one. It's the one he really hates. The one that he gives to Crichton later on. <laughs> in uh, that's in the last day, isn't it? Where yes, it that's the one. Yeah, yeah. The thirteen starts. Holly explains that only the captain can disable the or destruct sequence. Liz is going through the list. He's asked how they switch it off. Holly says, well, the only person that can override auto-destruct is the captain. Rimmer suggests, dead. <laughs> Holly said, well, well, one of the senior officers. Rimmer goes, dead. He says, well, in many ways, I think I should have updated the system. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite amusing. I mean, I, I suppose in theory, now you've... Well, Lister being the only official living member, he would be... He, he'd have that status, wouldn't he? I suppose he'd be the captain status. Yeah, ranking officer. Yeah, be the most senior ranking officer, wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Rimmer, Rimmer would be, wouldn't he, the most senior? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So this just, well, they're asking Holly, says, right, what we're going to do, we've got like eight minutes left. I've been through my entire database, cleared every single option, and there's three realistic alternatives. One, we sit here and get blown up. Two, we stand here and get blown up. Three, jump up and down, shout at me for not being able to think of anything, then get blown up. <laughs> Which uh, I did, again, this is showing um, just some of the great lines that Hattie does have. I, I think it's really funny. Scene four, sorry, I know we, we're going through these scenes pretty quick, but I think in the initial, what I did notice when I was uh, taking down the notes was that the first couple of scenes happened very, very fast. Because um, I was I was going through the scenes really, really quick. Uh, there's a lot more depth in the later scenes. There's been more of a storyteller, isn't it? Just to say, set the plot. Really, yeah, the first, yeah. First four or three. Yeah. You've got Crichton explaining what the mind swap process is. Because what, what the plan on doing is tricking the self-destruct into thinking the captain's on board or a senior officer that way they can disable it because what it does it checks the voice pattern and also does a brain scan Crichton explains that they can do a mind swap process and basically they'll suck Lister's brain out and <laughs> then put um, the captain's brain into his head and that way they can fool it how come they didn't use uh, Rimmer's mind no just bring the hologram alive well I was thinking that I mean I did mention it in the notes later but I'm assuming if they need to do a mind scan, they need to do a mind scan on an actual person, and it probably wouldn't work on a hologram. Because I did make, uh, I did mention, well, I will mention later on, that why didn't they just switch Rimmer off and just bring back the captain's hologram? Because yeah. surely that would have just worked the same, but I, I'm assuming they've got to have like a physical mind to do the mind scan. And if it's a dat safe, how come they couldn't load it into Crichton? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Okay, well, that's just us looking at it. Yeah. It's a valid point, though. Um, yeah. One thing I didn't notice in this as well is that, I mean, they've only, it said in the previous scene, they only had eight minutes left. All of a sudden, they're in a science lab, and you've got a Lister sat in a chair with all these, well, all this, like, mind control stuff, and everything's set up instantly. It's like, well, hang on. This is not something you've just got set up. You've either got, well, you've either got it or you haven't, and... If Crichton's having to explain himself what everything is, I mean, is this something he's been doing on a night when everybody sleeps? Or <laughs> if, you know, if you look at it as well, the equipment they're using, the um, the mind swap machine is actually uh, uses a BBC Micro keyboard. Oh right, you know, okay. you know, the old school computers yeah, we used yeah, to yeah. have, you know, one, one per school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. it was pretty much, wasn't it, when we were kids? Um, well, um, but yeah, the BBC micro keyboard. I'd read somewhere that it is, and I've been keeping an eye out for it. But yeah, it's on this one. It's on the mind swap machine. Ah, fantastic. And the, the pull Lister's mind out and put it onto like a little dat tape. He hands it to the cat and says, there you go, look after it. And cat just drops it into his drink. It's like, out of here. Well, that gag apparently, according to the DVD inlay card again, that was uh, Danny John Jules' suggestion that uh, he could perhaps drop it into his cup of coffee or whatever it was he's drinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, anybody who's ever dropped a tape into anything watery, that's just forget it. The tape's dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> so what they do, they, they couldn't find the captain's um, personality that they had stored on tape. So they put in Brown, who's an executive officer, and they put it into Lister's head. 
They then go through the countdown process and she tries to disable after after about a minute of saying, who am I, why am I in this body, I've got... Because there's quite an obsession about um, male sexual organs. <laughs> I didn't have them before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she just goes on quite a bit about them. Um, and Rimmer explains to her, listen, those genitalia that you're going on about will be blown to bits as well as everybody else and everything else <laughs> if you don't disable this alarm. I mean... Do do you think I know you don't you don't see any more of it, but do you think they got rid of her straight away, or did, do you think they left her around for a little while? Or it's implied they got rid of her straight away, didn't it? Because the next bit you see, it's all back to normal. Yeah, yeah. With this bit, the countdown gets down to zero, and strangely, the milkshake and the toffee crisp that Lister had originally ordered to fire off the uh, the auto destruct seem to come out in this little lab as well. Surely they'll come out in the corridor where he originally ordered them, which I just, again, found a little bit strange. But I suppose it was all done for comedy value. And you know it's milkshake because it's said on it with ship's issue written down below it in a (laughs) nice little label. Yeah, I was actually (laughs) looking at that because it even had the little red dwarf symbol at the top, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) But we all know it was just Yuzu. (laughs) Is that why the Toffee Crisp landed without the toffee showing? It only showed crisp. Yeah, but we all knew it was. (laughs) Yeah. Just... Just for advertisement reasons. Yeah. Um, Holly explains when it got to zero and these just popped out, I think they were asking the question of why the bomb didn't go off. And then Holly explains, well, I, I got rid of the bomb ages ago. <laughs> well, when you, when you <laughs> say something, you say, well, you didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Which you'd have thought with all this going on. I mean, she's mentioning, you know, in the other scene, that the, the three options that we all get blown to bits. So she was suggesting there that the bomb was going to go off. I think it's another one of these deliberate Holly wind-ups. Yeah, yeah, could be you quite know, possible. Just, yeah. just done to uh, keep things keep things alive, keep things interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next scene, you've got Rimmer and Lister in your classic bunk scenes, and uh, the still in the officers' quarters, as uh, we mentioned in the last episode. Rimmer suggests to Lister there is putting on a little bit weight. And uh, initially, when you, when you listen to the conversation, I mean, the conversation goes on for a few minutes and it's Rimmer suggesting that, you know, a middle-aged spread and you're starting to put some weight on. And you you don't realise until a couple of minutes in there is actually been plotting this entire conversation out in his head uh, to try and get control of Lister's body. Because he, he says, well, you know how easy it was. Uh, we... we I can just borrow your body and I can work it out for you and all the rest of it. This has got the classic line in it where Rimmer suggests, when he's suggesting that he's putting on weight, he says, yeah, you, you get to like your mid-twenties and your body waves that little white flag and without warning you become a fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose four of us over the age of 25 where you understand where they're coming from. Speak <laughs> 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 <Pretty> for yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, though. I mean, I, I used to be a right skinny little wretch until about mid twenty. Well, about late 20s, and then all of a sudden it was like, hang on, where's all this coming from? Yeah. And then you have to work out just to get it off. It's awful. He also mentions, I know there were a couple of scenes, but he's mentioning um, he saw a silhouette of him getting off the bunk and he thought it was Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> which I thought was quite amusing. And also suggested that when... He says, you know when you lift a frog up by its head when you were in your biology lessons and you've just got that body that just sticks out. He says, that's what I see every morning when you get off the bunk. <laughs> With the long spindly legs hanging down. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I tell you what, it's a, it's a good visual image that, isn't it? You know, it is, it, yeah. Everybody you speak to knows immediately what he means when he says that, yeah, even though yeah. not many of us have held a frog up by its head. Well, no, but you can imagine it, can't you? I mean, to be honest, I, even before watching this, I think it was only last week, I was taking the mick out of somebody at work and I, I use that exact same line uh, I suggested <laughs> <laughs> yeah they took offence to it but they, again yeah, as you just said they, they knew exactly what I was talking about hey, I'll tell you one thing I noticed though um, Rimmer's silk pyjamas yeah they look like um, some Chinese geisha woman's garb you know <laughs> totally unlike anything else he's been wearing yeah they did uh, they, they, they did really, really stand out. Um, I, I'm surprised I didn't make a note about it, but it was something like... Because even though he's talking it and he's trying to persuade Lister into, you know, where he's going with it, all I could look at was his pyjamas. I'm like... They got, uh, if you watch this scene as well, 
Listers yeah. start reading the magazine as they go having this conversation. Okay. And then all of a sudden it cuts to a different camera angle and this magazine's gone and you don't see it again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It'll, it'll be one of those magic things that just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts. Listers agreed to it and they've switched bodies and Lister says, right, that's it. Two weeks, that's all you've got. Yeah, he's... Um, is they're walking down the uh, like a gantry, aren't they? When yeah, he's talking yeah. to him. Uh, in fact, it says on the commentary it was um, filmed at Sunbury Pumping Station. Okay, uh, which is also where they filmed the Inquisitor. Um, although Craig Charles struggles to remember the name of the episode, he's going. <laughs> he can't remember the name of the Inquisitor <laughs> episode. Um, but okay. one thing Craig Charles says is. Uh, he has a go at the other cast members. He says, what do you let me walk around with that hanky on my leg for? And they're saying, well, we thought it was all right. He says, it don't. It looks, it looks stupid. He says, well, yeah, but for the character, it suits. Yeah, I suppose so. And he, yeah, he just hates this big red neckerchief thing that he's got tied around his leg. <laughs> I mean, if memory serves, I mean, what we're looking, 19, 20 years ago, I'm sure th- I, that was some kind of fashion back then. I, 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 I can remember local drug dealers walking around with particular <laughs> colours. <laughs> no, I'm sure I remember that that kind of fashion from back then. Mm, like Dex's Midnight Runners type yeah, thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm. And they were, what do we call it as well, bar, uh, bar towels. You used to have them hanging out at back pocket for a while. Yeah, that's right. And then you used to have like your ripped jeans with the bar towels behind them as well, so it was just showing through. <laughs> I remember and your brown, and your, and your brown Joe blogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Was that only 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Seems only like yesterday. <laughs> um, why didn't they just bring Lister back as a hologram of himself? You know what? I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, yeah, there, there's absolutely no reason at all. He has to be in the rim hologram. It could just be a hologram of exactly. himself. And don't you think the voices just sound a bit funny, especially when there's cat in the same scene? They do a little bit, but it, I, it just don't feel don't sound natural. It doesn't, no. But I think hats off to them, to be honest, because I, I think they do pull it off really well. And I think if if somebody did not see, well, I guess if somebody started watching the episode like about ten minutes in, uh, when they are in each other's bodies, then you wouldn't have known any different. I don't think. If you'd never I watched know. Red Dwarf before. I, I, did, I didn't think it were bad. I, I thought they'd pulled it off well. I were impressed with how they'd done it. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously we can't hear um, their voices, but I'm pretty sure he, you can almost tell by Chris Barry's lip movements that he's doing the Scouse accent. Uh, Rimmer goes into the loo, um, obviously in Lister's body now, and he goes in there and he's got a blindfold on and he's got gloves on and he's got a pair of tongs just so he can go to like the urinal. He then starts, we assume he's starting to take a leak and all of a sudden he pulls a blindfold off and looks down. Now, I can only assume he's not being a pervert and <laughs> I can only assume there's either pain or, or something. I, I don't know. But he looks down and then looks up at the camera like really shocked. I mean, you do find out in later scenes that um, it apparently um, Lister's urine is um, green. <laughs> I don't think it started peeing yet. There's something, uh, there's something catches his attention, and he's got the blindfold on, so he takes the colour of his pee. Yeah, well, uh, the water's uh, cold. Is he either too big, too small, or this this? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Let, let's not talk about his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Darren wants to. <laughs> Rimmer's in the shower, obviously, in Lister's body, and he's in there, and he's got the Ajax, and he's trying to clean it out, and the muck down Lister's nails, he's saying, oh, I ought to get that carbon dated. <laughs> I can only imagine. He's like, really? I mean, but to be honest, what I what I again realised in this episode was Lister, again, looks very, very clean. I don't know what they've done with him. I think in the, in the earlier seasons, they made him look very, very mucky and dirty. Um, but I think this season three... They've really cleaned him up. Granted, he's still got his, his like metal gear on and stuff. But I think they've really cleaned him up. He, he, I, think, I think some of it might be the actor. He's, he's a couple of years older. Craig Charles is a couple of years older and he's, um, 
it, it looks less greasy on his skin. His, yeah, yeah. His skin looks less less shiny and you know. Yeah, clean shave. He seems to be very clean shaven now. Yeah, exactly. Well. Clean shaven. Right. His clothes seem to be clean as well. Which well, I can. I wonder if it um, just the direction they decided to go with the character. They've, they've already portrayed him as a slob, so maybe you don't need the visual representation anymore of slob. Or maybe it's just like two years later, and he's he's got. I suppose Crichton's on board now, isn't he? So he's going to have some clean clothes. Ah, there you yeah, go. Answered it. There we go. <laughs> Did did you see the thought pattern there? <laughs> Just knowing a monologue. I, I heard the penny drop. <laughs> yeah, like, ah! <laughs> he comes out of the shower and he decides to take like a a meat carver to his dreadlocks and just chops them off. I mean, I'm not being funny, but I know I know he's like borrowing his body. But if you were borrowing somebody off some something off somebody for two weeks, that they were. That were a kind of attached to, you know, like a body. You, you wouldn't start just cutting things off, would you? <laughs> I would. <laughs> Do you not? Uh, did anybody realise when he come out of the shower to cut them off, it was dripping wet to add to the effect? Oh, like right. he'd been in the shower. No, I didn't notice that. To be honest, I um, didn't. I didn't notice the moisture glistening off Craig Charles's body. <laughs> he, as, he grip, as he grips him to cut it off, he, he, when he's squeezing, it all runs off the end of the. Oh, right, okay. Now, I never noticed that. No, I didn't. Well observed. Thank you. Um, Rimmer goes on a little binge, and he basically comes out the shower, cuts off the locks, and Crichton's already preparing this feast. It's just got everything you could possibly imagine. And obviously, Rimmer's been dead for two years, well, three million in two years, and he just wants to the sensation of food and he has chicken and mashed potato and just everything with all the extra cream full pint of cream and butter and yeah it's a it's a proper feast isn't it that he has makes you hungry though Uh, doesn't it i I, I got distracted by the figures on the screen in the background yeah figures counting down and i'm i was scratching my head thinking well what the hell's that about then you know, I could understand if it was displaying the time. I could understand if it was just Holly staring into space. I could understand a blank screen, but no, they, they're just figures counting for no reason. Wasn't that there um, two rows of, I think there were two rows of six digits, weren't they? And they were just doing random counting. I just, yeah, I noticed that as well. It was quite distracting. Mm. Very strange. Nice, nice effect, but yeah. Basically, it just goes on a massive gorging he's just eating everything and he sticks sticks his head in this massive plate of mashed potatoes and then pours a gravy over the top of his head <laughs> and Lister walks in and says oh how's the diet going <laughs> and he just lifts his two thumbs up like as if to say yeah it's going well <laughs> I mean I don't know about you but if somebody was looking after my body um, by well by men would be keeping it fit if I saw him with that I'd be like hang on come on let's have it back <laughs> <laughs> would would Rimmer actually pour gravy over, the, over his head anyway? Well, is that a bit abnormal for him? Yeah, well, I think that's abnormal for anybody, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I do it every night. I get all down my front. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I did notice again. I, I think, I think it is Craig Charles that he just can't drink because he takes a big mouthful of wine and just spills it all down his chin as well. You know, like what he's done with the pints and everything. <laughs> The next scene starts. Rimmer explains that um, he just needs to get out of his system and he'd just gone a little bit crazy uh, due to the fact that um, he had been dead for um, three million two years. And he says, oh, it won't happen again. And he's going to go and get some training. Next you see him sat in the sauna. Or I should say sat in a jacuzzi instead of doing some training. And he's reading like um, women bodybuilders magazines. <laughs> and he's flicking through the pages in there um, and says oh that's what, this is what I call training oh these are women <laughs> he's sat there with a cigar and it's like ah <laughs> he's not doing very well at his training he likes his women masculine yeah <laughs> I suppose opposites attract <laughs> he's not exactly masculine himself um, Lister um, again this this just shows how good Chris Barry's acting is because Chris Barry, he's, he's playing Lister because they've switched bodies, obviously. And he's playing Scrabble with a cap. And he looks just so down and depressed, doesn't he? The look on his face, he just looks like he wants to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> I 
plain scrabbling is like write that one and that one and that one and that one and puts down all the words because obviously he can't touch them himself. And the cat comes up with the word. Um, it's J O Z X Y O K. Um, I was I was waiting for your pronunciation of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he says, "Well, you've, let, you've let me down." <laughs> patience. <laughs> Lister says, "That's not a word. You can't have that." He says, "You can. It's um, job." But <laughs> <laughs> um, he suggests that it's the noise that um, you make when you trap your sexual organs in something. <laughs> so. I don't know how often the, the, the cat race used to ch- trap the sexual organs in things, but to give it a word? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's, when, it's when he says, is it in the dictionary? It could be if you sat reading it in the nude and you shut the book. This is very good. Rimmer walks in while playing Scrabble, and Lister says to him, right, on the scales. And he's like, you've put on two stones. He says, yeah, but look at, look at your body. It's all muscle. He says, I've got you looking really trim. He's like, I've, right. been, I've been taking uh, yeast extract, as he say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, right, come on, get off with your dressing gown. He says, I don't, I, I don't want you to see me naked. He says, it's not you naked. It's me. It's my, it's not your body naked. It's my body. <laughs> yeah. He's like, right, come on off with the dressing gown. And you find out that he's actually wearing a girdle, like a proper woman's girdle with a bit at the bottom for, what he classes attaching weights, <laughs> <laughs> and and a rather uns, unsightly white white front bull shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was not only me. This looks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd mention it. I knew I'd bring you out. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, uh, I was looking in the uh, background on this scene as well. Um, yeah. Because you redeem yourself. <laughs> well, on the on the previous episodes, we were saying that they've got the medical lab fridge and the microwave, you know, in the room and what have you. Yeah. And uh, I thought, I wonder if they've kept hold of them. And yes, they are actually still there. Although they've took all the medical stickers off them now, it no yeah, longer. Yeah. Well, I suppose that as soon as the gag's over, then the matches just keep them. It was probably yeah. easy then actually moving them. <laughs> Lister turns around the rim and says, right, one more chance, and then that's it, I'm having my body back, uh, which he agrees to. The next scene starts, Rimmer's under the covers, it's basically pitch black, and Lister wakes up and he can hear this noise, and he looks down below and it's Rimmer under the covers with like a torch, and you find out he's, 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 he's like a little five-year-old, you know when he used to go under the cover and make himself a little tent and stuff? Did you? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, he's just there and he's absolutely gorging again. And um, Lister says, right, that's it. I want my body back. And off they go down to the lab and switch the bodies over. Lister's complaining because his lungs feel like he, he's been smoking, well, constantly. He says he only has a couple of rollies a day. He's just been constantly smoking cigars. And he says, you've not been treating my athletes for either. He's, uh, he's he's disgusted as well that he's found his dreads in the bin as well. He says, um, you, "You said you tied these up, and if you go back to the previous scene, you know where he's in the girdle. Yeah, right. They're obviously not tied up. He's stood there with virtually nothing on, and these dreads are not tied up. You can tell. But yeah, it comes as a surprise to him in this scene that they've been cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you um, know what happens in the? rest of this episode wouldn't you have hidden the machine once he gets his body back um yeah yeah definitely I, well especially something as pre- precious as your own body you'd be like right rimmer's a weasel little yeah person <laughs> <laughs> can't trust him as far as i can throw him so yeah destroy the machine <laughs> cut the plug off well you would do though wouldn't you you'd, yeah. you'd find a way of stopping it unless unless he just gets crying to rebuild another one but you never know uh, Lister's complaining about that he's put weight on and he's giving him breasts. Uh, <laughs> um, Rimmer suggests to him, he says, listen, there's only one person that should have green urine and that's Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I know that Spock has green blood, but green urine? I, I don't ever remember seeing that in a Star Trek episode. Oh, yeah, well, I've seen him wee. <laughs> well, no, I tend not to look for those kind of things. <laughs> I was checking out some of um, Tony's uh, watching material that he suggested the other night, actually. And okay. um, it's it's not just his blood or his wee that's green, according to that. 
Okay. <laughs> Shall we leave it to that? Yes, let's. What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I'm going to Google it again. Uh, this has decided that that's it. He says, um, Rumor says, oh, okay, well, well, if it's okay with yourself, I'll just have your body again like two weeks before Christmas and one week before his birthday. And he says, nope, nope, nope. I only said that to get you out of my body. I'm not interested. And that's it. He's not letting me have his body again, which to be honest, I, I perfectly understand. I mean, can you imagine how weird it must feel to have somebody intrude your body? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> The next scene, Rimmer made Crichton chloroform Lister again. He pushed him down a lab. And uh, before you know it, they've switched bodies again. <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think Crichton could harm Lister. No, he does mention about his, his guilt chip. And I know we mentioned in the last episode about Crichton's guilt chip and how he wouldn't be able to take his guilt and that kind of stuff. But this, I think this is the first mention of his guilt chip, isn't it? Um, but yeah, he said that his guilt chip was in overdrive. Well, you could argue that, you know, by chloroforming him, he's not actually doing him any permanent harm and, you know, obviously he's obeying another human. But um, he says if he stirs, wait, whack him on the head again. Yeah. And, yeah. He's, and he's got, he's got uh, what do you call it, in his hand as well, you know, so you're left with the impression that he's already hit him over the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he said, so, why did he struggle so much? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lister wakes up and he wakes up and realises in Rimmer's body again. Uh, he wakes up to this message flashing on the screen. Uh, this is the same screen we mentioned earlier that had like the countdown timer or whatever it was, just the numbers flashing on there. He wakes up and says, play message. And it's Rimmer and he's, he's taking his body. And he says, hey, I like to have a body so much that um, I've done a runner. I'll be back in maybe four, six weeks. Uh, don't try and come after me, otherwise the body gets it. <laughs> he's going around with this like old style gun uh, and he's threatening to kill himself. Well, he, it's what he used to keep at the... If you look in the earlier scenes, he's got it actually hanging on the wall at the head of his bed. That's right, yeah, he has. Lister tries to get the cat to lend him his body. <laughs> and he suggests... He says, he says, would you let a garbage truck driver drive your Rolls Royce? <laughs> and I can... Well, I can understand it from the cat's point of view. He's like thinking, there is no way you're going inside my body. Well, as we know, Danny John Jules doesn't particularly like garbage truck drivers, does he? <laughs> he must have been a premonition. <laughs> I did notice one little one little glitch in this. Lister says, how else am I meant to pile up white midget? And I thought, oh, hang on, I'm sure it was blue midget. Um, but sure enough, in the later scene, you actually see blue midget land and it's actually got, wrote down the side, blue midget. Yeah, well, I'd I'd missed this. I never. It, this is one of those mistakes I've never picked up on before. And yeah. it was only in researching the episode that I'd seen somebody uh, seen it in a few places mentioned. I thought, ah, oh, I'll, I'll have to watch that again. And uh, apparently, yeah, it's just a mistake in the script. Um, when the um, before Starbuck came along, they were going to actually have white midget and blue midget, weren't they? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's what's left over from there. It's they they forgot to change it over. Um, okay. It was actually dubbed in the remastered from uh, white midget to the midget. Okay, uh, cool. Rumors in Starbuck. He's got loud music playing, and he is is kind of conducting in midair, and he's got this massive trunk, and it's just full of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which again look very appetising. Well, the, on the uh, commentary, the crew said that uh, it was they were nice because apparently the uh, cast and crew all got to take them home after the uh, shooting had finished. Oh right! I tell you one thing I did notice in here: we we keep uh, talking about Starbuck. How many seats has Starbuck got in the cockpit? Yeah. All right, you've got the the proper pilot's chair that uh, Rimmer's sat in. Yeah. And in the background, just behind him, there's a, like a fold-away computer chair. Yeah, there is what the, the, the little <laughs> metal-looking thing. Yeah, it's not a um, like the one that collapsed under me the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. There's not an actual fixed seat as such. It's just this fold-out. You know, just. <laughs> stack it in the cupboard, bring it out when you need it. Yeah, yeah. Which, which explains why there's only two sometimes, three sometimes, and obviously later on we get four of them. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what I did notice as well. I mean, the, the, the catalyst they've given Chase 
in uh, Blue Midget. The cat, oh, well, sorry, there's the cat, Lister and Crichton, and they're all in Blue Midget. Didn't you think Cat was wearing his headphones weird? They were like, the, well, they, they were really weird because I had to keep double taking them. Like, whoa, is that a special set of headphones? Or? Yeah, like you were wearing them upside down, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, they were like hanging around the bottom, which I found really weird. Well, I, I assume because he's got his hair's quite big again on this one. I just assumed it was because he didn't want to mess his hair up. Oh, yeah, that, that's probably it. Yeah, because in this episode, he's almost got like a beehive hairstyle, hasn't he? It's just really big. They catch up with uh, Rimmer and down near a planet's surface, uh, and um, they're doing like a little chase through the rocks, and it does look kind of decent. It looks almost, um, it looks like Thunderbirds, kind of. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's funny you should say that, because it's, um, I've, I've seen criticism about these effects on the internet, but I, I, same as you, I thought they were really great, really fantastic. Yeah. And it's obviously models. It's obviously models on wires. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, it's the way Starbuck crashes at the end. It crashes and skids sideways onto a halt. And, yeah, yeah. You know, really fantastically done. And it's funny you should say it's th- you know Thunderbirds because the effects were done by Peter Rag, and he worked on Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. He worked on oh, Doctor right. Who. Okay, that makes, uh, that makes Bottom, sense. the detectives, and more. Um, and he actually he actually won an RTS television award for best visual effects oh, okay. in 1991, and that was for his work done on Red Dwarf. Cool. I, I mean, I must admit that did look it did look very well done. I mean, just the camera angle and everything, it looked almost realistic. Talking of Captain Scarlet, something we didn't mention earlier on. Oh, is the, is, the green Captain Scarlet suit? Yeah, where Rimmer in List no Lister in Rimmer's body looks into the mirror and says, "I look like uh, Captain Emerald." <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing, how many Starbucks is he on that ship? Well, I don't know. I know we mentioned this, like, I mean, they've left one on the backwards planet. They've left one on the snow planet. They've crashed one there. They've crashed one here. There must just be a production line. That must be all the stars are doing, just making more and more Starbucks. No wonder they've gone mad and rewired the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, there goes another one. (laughs) Um, anyway, the the crash ships then Crichton, the cat, and Lister get on board of Starbug and they go looking for Lister's body or, or Rimmer. And <laughs> Chris Barry, um, or I should say Lister, pop, pops out of the, well, the cockpit and he gives it, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're going to be so mad. He's like, what? what is it? What is it? He says, oh, you're going to be so mad. He says, what? He says, you've lost me arm. He says, not only that, I've lost your watch too. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think for me has got to be one of the funniest lines in this episode. It's, when he says, I'm, I'm, stick, I'm sticking with yeah, my hands are up. Well, one of them is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it, I mean, he must have been joking, because otherwise, if he had lost a arm, it'd be in a lot of pain. He wouldn't just be stood there joking, giving it, whoops. <laughs> Um, but then he he reveals his other arm and just like gives him the V's and says I'm only joking Hmm. one thing uh, on the commentary and I've also seen it written various places on the internet as well um, there's a shadow cast over Rimmer as he comes out for this scene Okay, and they say on the commentary oh that's the shadow from the boom mic um so on you know they keep going on about this boom mic shadow how unprofessional it is and what have you yeah uh, but there's actually there's a triangular piece of debris hanging down from the ceiling swinging yeah. and it's that it's the shadow off this piece of debris that's hanging down it's not the boom mic at all and i've seen it listed on a few websites as a um uh, you know as a filming error for this episode and it isn't it's just yeah. maybe or lighting for the shadow to be cast. Yeah, you know, possibly, it yeah. is. It's 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 not the boom mic. I'm pretty sure it's this actual uh, piece of ceiling that's swinging about. Okay. The final scene starts and they're back in. Um, they're in Blue Midget and they're just landing in the docking bay. And you know it's Blue Midget because as they like to label everything, there's a sign down the side saying Blue Midget. <laughs> <laughs> um, just going back to what um, you said, Nick. Just how many Starbucks have they lost? I mean, I'm, I assume a ship that size, it's going to have quite a lot of... Well, to say its main purpose is like a, a mining ship, it's going to have quite a lot of ships on it, I would have thought. The, really, the, the weird thing about it is every Starbug that you see that's crashed, they've all got Starbug 1 written onto them. Or Starbug 2, yeah. You yeah. never see a Starbug 3 <laughs> or a Starbug 4. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they just go back and, and fix them and pull them out. and You, you never know. 
Because that, that's what we that's what we said about backwards that maybe they went back and got it, and same with the snow planet, maybe they went back and got it. Maybe maybe it's just doomed. <laughs> 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 if it were me, I'd be like, I tell you what, I'm going to take Starbuck three because <laughs> we've not crashed that one yet. <laughs> List is laid on the bunk, and I believe he's talking to Crichton, and you see Rimmer walk in, and the best way I can describe it. it, it He's got the same walk as the cat had when he'd walked out the bushes in backwards. <laughs> He's kind of got his hands frozen to his side and walking in, a bit like John Wayne. <laughs> and he explains that all... Well, basically, it's the cat in Rimmer's body. He was fast asleep, and then the next thing he knew, Captain Chloroform <laughs> was there holding a sponge <laughs> on his face, which was obviously Crichton. And before you know, well, Rimmer walks in, and he's got another feast, and he says, um, nope, uh, yeah, it's all right, just two weeks, and you can have it back. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, I mean, if I were Lister, I'd be, I'd be jumping on the cat, taking him back down to the lab, and I'd just be switching Rimmer off. It's dangerous, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Just hijacking bodies left, right, and centre. He's stamping <laughs> on his light bee. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we Smash. don't know about the light bee yet. True. He's smashing the machine up for sure, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I, it's funny the way he's, um, he does a runner with Lister's body and he's a big chase and he's frightened about being caught and, you know, once he's caught, that's it, you've got me. Here, I'm not even going to hide it. I'm just going to follow you in with a plate full of food <laughs> and you're going to put up with it, that's it. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised the cat wasn't going absolutely mental. I mean, could you imagine, I, I know it's not quite the same thing, but if Lister had put on one of the cat's suits, it'd come mental, so putting on his body... <laughs> Well, what we've seen in the past as well, um, he's not frightened about, you know, sticking up for himself and what he believes in, you know, with his, uh, you know, dog attack, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's the episode review, and next, the scores. Me, personally, I give this, I thought it was, there was quite a few good lines in it. I personally give it a 7 out of 10. I thought the way Craig and Chris did each other was very well. Um, I beg your pardon. It's <laughs> <laughs> a one track mind, lad. One track mind. <laughs> um, I, I thought the way they played each other was very good. Um, they had some good ideas, and especially the I've lost your watch line was brilliant. So, yeah, seven out of ten for me. Andy? Uh, six out of ten for myself. Okay. good A good episode, but not one of the best ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a few good lines, but I think there's a lot better than this to come and has, you know, has passed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah six out of ten. Um, Anthony? Um, yeah, I, I love the episode. I think acting is fantastic. Um, I, I love the way it's dubbed, dubbed. It's not very often you see it looking too wrong. Yeah. You know, as, as can happen. I love the model work in it. Um, one of I mean, I always say my, oh, it's my favourite line, but the I, I Lost You Watch 2 has got to be one of my all-time favourite lines. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've gone, I've gone for a 7 out of 10 with this one. Very good. And finally, Nick? Uh, 5 out of 10 for me. Apart okay. from the Lost Your Watch line, there's no really el- else in this for me. I think it's, I don't know one of the weaker episodes so yeah five okay. out of ten okay um that's seven six seven and five that's um six two six two and a half percent call it 63 percent so i don't think it's one of the lowest um but it's definitely not one of the highest next section is what's going down in groovestown after a small advertisement from pendant audio a worldwide ruler. Zod. 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 And a vicious act. There are those among us who do not believe as we do. Have no fear. We will not allow these misguided individuals to succeed. Any last words? Spark a rebellion that could change the face of the world as we know it. That's not justice, that's murder. On the ground, now. You, the camera, give me that footage. Run, now! Be there as X-Tempest, the Earth P crossover event of 2009, begins in Wonder Woman, Champion of the Mascara, issue 42, on July 22nd, 2009, only at PendantAudio.com. 
It is time we remind Zod of who we are and why we fight. All right, dudes, what's going down in Groovetown then? Right, Groovetown. I can't believe how fast it's coming round. But Dimension Jump, well, I suppose when, when this is aired on Thursday, we're, we're literally two weeks away, aren't we? It is. It's only two weeks. I know. Um, I'm going. Anthony's definitely going. Um, I don't think you two are going, are you? Um, no, I, no, I don't think I'll. I might. Okay. Uh, obviously. I've managed to persuade the other half to go, and she bought a 65-quid ticket um, only on Sunday. Yeah, the price went up quite a bit. I spent 40 <laughs> quid on mine. <laughs> um, I've been looking at ways of recording while we're there, and what I thought was, I might, I'm not going to try and reinvent the wheel. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to use Audioboo, which is very simple software. It allows you to take, I think it's up to five-minute audio clips and then post them instantly to the internet and I'll I'll arrange the Red Dwarf forum page so it looks at that feed so dur- during Dimension Jump um, there'll be myself and Anthony probably doing some recording there and we'll post it straight to the web so if you keep an eye on the Red Dwarf forum site um, everything should feed onto there um, as well as updating to Twitter as well so if you want to well I mean I normally mention this at the end, but I'll probably best to mention now. The Twitter feed is um, twitter.com forward slash Red War Forum. And the Red War Forum site is redwarforum.com. That front feed on there is where you'll get all the audio booze on there. Um, So anything we'd get up to there would be nice just to get it recorded. Are you still still planning on travelling? I'm still unsure as yet. I'm I'm thinking I might change my mind and may stop on the... um, on the Saturday night. Well, it's the thing that got to. Uh, obviously, it's it's mine. Your first dimension jump as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, so I, I wasn't sure what to expect, and I was quite surprised when we had the latest updated email. Yeah, it yeah. Says it starts at uh, it's seven o'clock on the Friday night. That's right. Yeah. And for some reason, I'd got it into my head that this convention was a, a mid-morning, you know, 10, 11 o'clock start, finish at 5, 6 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. And I, did, I didn't realise it was actually, you know, it went into an evening event. I think Saturday evening's a, you know, quite a big event. A bit yeah, there's the disco and everything, yeah. The cast and everything. So I am actually, um, I'm pricing up now. I think I'm going to actually get myself booked in for the full weekend of the Friday and the Saturday night. Oh, right, okay. So it's... Um, I think one of the cheapest I've seen is around near the um, train station. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'm going to end up staying, uh, which I wasn't planning on doing before. But it seems daft not being able to have a drink because I've got to drive back to Nottingham. Uh, um, well, see and with finishing it, uh, God knows what time it finishes. But you've got to say it's going to be getting on the time you finish socialising and meeting people and talking to people. It's going to be 10, 11 o'clock at night, isn't it? At least, I would have thought. Well, you see, this is why I'm bringing the other half. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very wise. <laughs> it was worth 65 quid. It's <laughs> cheaper than a taxi. <laughs> um, I'm undecided. I, I may stop the Saturday night is what I'm thinking. Friday night, I'm I'm not too bothered about. Well, I'm I'm relieved I've made the mind up to actually stop now. Now I'm going to feel as if I've actually got the full weekend in now. Um, I was wary that I was going to miss out on a lot of it. Yeah, you know, you know, through coming home. Okay, right. I just want to read out a couple of emails. We got one, we got one from um, Fee Three Fee Three, uh, just saying, "Hey guys, love the show. Thanks for the mention, uh, but couldn't help notice the debate about Lister's boxer shorts." Just to <laughs> clarify, he was wearing, in fact, two pairs. Um, she was kind enough to drop in a, a screen grab of it where you can actually see the fact that he's got two pair of box shorts on. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Fee. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, we also got another email getting through from George. Um, I drive a car made out of cheese, which that is quite an awesome name. <laughs> in fact, George, if you don't mind, just, just drop us an email. Just tell us where you came up with the origin of that. <laughs> Cause that is quite a bizarre handle. <laughs> Um, just as uh, well done for a successful podcast, uh, you have improved loads since the first episode, which every day is a school day and we are learning every every episode. The layout is simple and the sound quality is getting better and the parrot spire is the best, uh, the best part, I think. Body swap is possibly my favourite episode and I love the quote, you lost my arm, in which 
Rimmer replies, you lost my watch too. Which it seems to be that that's the favorite line for everybody. Uh, anyway, since you've started with your podcast, I found myself watching the episodes over and over again and noticed the little details I've missed before. Thank you and keep up the good work, George. Uh, thanks very much, George. Yeah, I think with us watching them, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't know about you lot, but I've watched the Red Dwarf episodes over and over and over again. And you don't notice these little things until, I, I know we say this every week, but and until you go back and start making down notes, I think you both... Well, you in the past, you've always sat to just, sat watched it just to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And actually sat analysing and looking at everything the way we are doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing. I'm grateful for some of the things I notice. But things like the backwards episode, um, I don't think that'll ever be... You know, that was always one of the first episodes I reached for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, from certainly from the first three series. And it's way, way down now. Um, it's <laughs> Doing this Scuttercast has possibly ruined that episode for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but having said that, give it a couple of months and I'll probably find that I'll in, I can switch off to all the inconsistencies and actually watch it and enjoy it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the way I feel at the moment, it's like, uh, ah, I've ruined that one for me. <laughs> whereas, whereas having said that, the flip side of the coin is there's episodes like um, Thanks for the Memory. I, I never, it's one that I didn't used to reach for very often. I never gave it much thought, but uh, watching it as closely as we did, I loved that episode. And that's now high up on the list for episodes I'm going to grab off the shelf and sit yeah, and watch. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Welcome to the Parrot Spa, the place you can drink a curry flavored tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot's Bar, pretty quiet, couple of weeks to be honest. Me personally, I'm quite a big console uh, user now, and as as we record this on the Monday night, quite guttingly, I've got Halo ODST um, sat at the post office <laughs> waiting to be picked up. So, yeah, the, the, they were kind enough to deliver it a day early, it's not actually released until Tuesday. Um, currently, it's Monday night, and I would have been playing it. However, my, my postman, who always tends to post everything that says requires signature, has decided to take this one back to the post office. So, thank you very much. <laughs> Apart from that, I've got um, I've got my younger brother's wedding this weekend, so I'll be spending the weekend in Lincoln, which will be kind of a weird experience for me because uh, I'll be seeing many, many family members I haven't seen in a very long time. So it's going to be quite a surreal experience for me. But hopefully, it should no, you're not going via Stansted Airport? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. What's the latest in World of Warcraft? <laughs> it's crap. Not much. <laughs> Well, the, there's the new game released on Friday, wasn't it? It was Aeon was released, uh, which is meant to be the... Well, it, it's another in the long line of what is meant to be Warcraft killers. But mm. but early reports suggest that people were queuing or sat in a queue waiting to get online for about three hours at a time. So, problem is, <laughs> you, you get a Warcraft killer, you get a new game like I got Warhammer Online. Yeah. And maybe... it. Maybe a bit better or maybe a bit different and all that, but it's just still the same thing. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, there's nothing radically different in it. I've played um, EVE Online. Yeah. The spaceship one. Yeah, and again, all you're doing is grinding. Yeah. They need to come up with something new. I've gone back to playing um, stuff like uh, Need for Speed Shift and I've got Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay, yeah. Which is like a modern day version of uh, Suffering, if you remember the Suffering. Yeah, yeah, I remember that scared the poo out of me. Yeah, just play it and get to the scene where you run into the morgue and uh, you encounter the Scarecrow. Uh-huh. Is, it, is that actually based on the comic book? Because I've got the Arkham Asylum comic book and it's uh, the artwork in it is really... Uh, I'm, I'm crap with names of artists and what have you, so I can't, I can't tell you who it is. Yeah. Um, but the artwork, it isn't like a comic book style. It's um, it, the the horror images, you know, and there's it, it's really the, you know the Joker in it is really disturbing. In fact, it's worth typing in Arkham Asylum comic book uh, on images, and you'll see some of the images from this co- uh, comic book. They're really really disturbing. Okay, 
Yeah, the Joker is styled in the comic book style, whereas a thin, gaunt fella, rather than Heath Ledger in the films. Yeah, these. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I only played the demo of Arkham Asylum, um, but I thought I thought it was good. It it was nice to see something a little bit different. Like um, your fighting moves, it's very slow mo and very. I don't know. Even though you're doing different combos, but using the same buttons, if that makes sense. Um, you seem to be doing different counterattacks for different moves that are coming at you. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, I don't know, it, it did look very smooth and I, I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, but I want to get Halo out of the way first, <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> Podcast of the week, um, over to you, Anthony. Right, um, you'll have heard the trailer earlier on for um, w- uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, that's uh, one of the uh, pendant audio um dramas that they release um uh, basically they do uh, they do a series of original audio dramas okay uh, and then they uh, they have what they call um fan audio dramas and, and now i'm more familiar with the fan audio dramas i've not been into their original characters and original storylines okay. um but basically the the audio dramas that uh, the ones i listen to are set in uh, f- you know familiar universes um there's they do one called blue harvest which is set in the star wars universe okay um and that tells the story of um it's a young jedi that's a chosen one and um is his life story basically mirrors anakin's you know and he okay. has a daughter and and her life is mirroring Luke's. There's even one point where they end up on the Death Star, got to rescue somebody from the detention block. They've got a Wookiee, so they disguise themselves as um, stormtroopers to march into the detention block. And at one point, the elevator doors open, and there's Luke and Han in stormtrooper outfits with a Wookiee on their way to the the detention (laughs) block to rescue the princess. And yeah, the way it's done, it's really clever. It's... um, that one in particular, it's um, it's like another story that runs, like I say, just runs parallel with Anakin's. And yeah. the voice that they use for Darth Vader, when I first heard it, it, you know, my whole spine started tingling. It really, really is fantastic. Um, they also do a Star Trek Defiant um, adventures. And you've got Dr. Bashir on there. The guy that does Dr. Bashir is absolutely fantastic again. And it's just a really good Star Trek story. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite ones are the DC Universe ones. Okay. And you've basically, you've got, I mean, each episode is uh, released monthly. But obviously the DC ones, these, um, what have we got? I've wrote them down here. There's Batman, there's Superman, there's Wonder Woman, there's Supergirl, there's Catwoman, and they've now started Martian Manhunter. Okay. So there's six coming out monthly, and they all come out on different weeks. Some weeks you'll get uh, two come out. So it's actually, um, it's almost like having more, more than one a week. Okay. And um, each one is obviously an individual storyline, but sometimes Superman will pop up in Batman's story, um, Catwoman pops up in Wonder Woman's world, so on and so forth. And what they do, they've just completed the third crossover story. Every now and then they do a um, a big massive crossover story where you, instead of listening to just the Batman ones, all of a sudden it comes into an order where all these characters come together. And so they've actually just completed the third crossover story. And really, they, they are really, really good. Um, it's a shame the only trailer I could find was the Wonder Woman one because of, of those DC World ones, I think the Wonder Woman one is possibly the weakest one in my mind. It's not the character I'm most, you know, I'd rather have played you a Batman trailer. But, yeah, um, yeah, sure. That, that was the one that sent. But yeah, um, well worth checking out. Uh, like I say, they also do some original uh, dramas of their own with characters, you know, new characters that they've created and, you know, scenarios, uh, which I plan to catch up on uh, when I've got a bit of free time. Um, but yeah, you can find them at www.pendantaudio.com. Um, or if you search on iTunes, just search for Pendant Audio and um, you'll you'll see a whole list there of everything they do. Oh, fantastic. I'll probably check quite a few of those out, to be honest. Okay, right, well, that's us for this week. If you want to come and visit us on the forum, it's reddwarfforum.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's 
twitter.com forward slash Red Dwarf Forum. And finally, if you want to send us an email, send in any audio comments or, or just normal emails, bob those through to scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. Okay, to Nick to lead us out. Right, uh, the next episode is called Time Slide, so see you then. Yep, see you then. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.